That's not a toy. I know that. Mikey, no! I think that there's something very wrong with Mikey. He's a wonderful kid. He, he's perfect. I need to see those police reports. He's not a normal nine-year-old, Rachel. I've been doing some research into Mikey Trenton's background. I really need to talk to you about this. Mikey, give me the hammer. Okay. Evil children movies have been around forever. One only needs a quick web search to find a ton of them, from The Brood to The Omen, Children of the Corn to The Good Son, and so many, many more. The movie at hand today is one you just may remember from the glory days of the video store, the 1992 direct-to-video film Mikey, which possibly has more of a reputation than Bite at this point. Of course, in 1992, Evil children films had not seen the more evil titles we've seen in the last two and a half decades, so the relative nastiness of Mikey is something that disturbed folks all around the globe, with England going so far as banning the film, following the James Bulger murder aged two by two boys aged 10. Yeah, this gets a bit rough, so hold on to your butts as we dive into the killer kid that is Mikey on what the fuck happened to this horror movie. The film felt too close to that to risk releasing it, even if the content cannot be linked to the murder. A good scapegoat is always wanted, and between Child's Play 3 and Mikey, the media had what they needed to go on a frenzy about the effects of violent films on children. Let's look at who is behind this film. Written by Jonathan Glasner, who had previously written for a bunch of television shows, including Freddy's Nightmares, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and 21 Jump Street. This is not his first foray into horror, clearly, and he knew a thing or two about scaring teens or writing for teens, so using children was not a big stretch here. Since Mikey, Glasner has gone on to write for the 1990s reboot of The Outer Limits, a bunch of sci-fi shows, and on to producing a bunch of television shows. The film's director, Dennis Dimster, had only directed one film before, Cat in the Bag, in 1990, and has since only directed three features, but has been a regular director on The Desire and Wicked Wicked Games TV series. His experience before had been as an actor. His IMDb is a bit anemic when it comes to a current headshot or a good biography. Where Mikey gets most of its horror pedigree is in its cast, which has Ashley Lawrence and Mimi Craven as two of the main adults in Mikey's new life after he gets adopted following the murders of his previous adopted family. Lawrence needs no introduction to most horror fans, having played Kirsty Cotton in the original, second, and the third Hellraiser films. She was in Warlock 3, The End of Innocence, then came back to Hellraiser with Hellseeker, and she keeps coming back to the horror genre with Lightning Bug in 2004, Creepshow in 2021, and a few others in between. She's a bona fide horror star, and this helps lend this film a bit more credibility. Playing the mom who adopts Mikey, Rachel Trenton, is Mimi Craven, who started her career in Swamp Thing, directed by her husband-to-be, Wes Craven, been appearing in A Nightmare on Elm Street and a few horror titles before retiring from acting in 2002 and coming back in 2021. These two alone are enough to attract the attention of horror fans these days. For the main character of Mikey, young actor Brian Bonsall was selected. His resume speaks for itself, with credits with Disney, a lot of television including Family Ties, and some TV movies, before even getting to Mikey. Post-Mikey, he was seen in films like Blank Check and seemed to disappear from 1994 to 2018. His work here is what matters though, as he plays a deranged child with some serious aplomb. 
getting to be one of the creepiest, most brutal, non-ghost children in the creepy children genre. Here he is cold, calculated, and willing to say some of the lines that don't make much sense in the end with the gusto needed to give the heebie-jeebies to any adult or kid watching. Not that kids should be watching. The cast is rounded out with Josie Bissett as Jessie, the teenager living next door who Mikey has a crush on. Whit Hertford as his best friend, who horror fans will recognize as Jacob, from A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. The rest of the cast will be vaguely familiar, but these aforementioned names are the ones that should ring a bell for most. In terms of story, it's a psychopathic child who gets adopted by different families after he murders the previous one. Well, in short, the film opens on Mikey at home with his adoptive mom and sister. His mom gets on the phone, talks a bit too much, and she reveals regretting adopting Mikey. This is a bad move, of course, and he electrocutes her in the tub. Then he goes to find his sister and drowns her in the pool. When dad gets home, his dear little slugger uses a bat to kill him. A bat that he somehow manages to bring away with him when he gets picked up by social services. After a session with a therapist, Mikey is deemed ready to be put up for adoption again. Meeting his new parents in what looks to be a hybrid bus terminal and mall, maybe even a port authority, he attaches to them pretty fast. In his new home in Arizona, he meets the neighbors, including a kid who will be his bestie, a mom, and later a big sister, who will become the object of his obsession. Mikey is accepted by his new parents, who try very hard to make this a good life for him, not fully knowing what circumstances he came from. These people, were clearly way too trusting of a very broken system. But we wouldn't have a film if they were not this way. Once Mikey goes to school, he gets placed in Mum Rachel's best friend's class, who is played by Ashley Lawrence, whose name is misspelled in the credits as Lawrence with a W. Her character is the only one who sees something wrong with Mikey for the longest of time. She's like the crazy old lady in all those movies that knows better, but everyone ignores her except here, she's not old. She of course does research and pulls some strings to get Mikey's files. And yeah, what she finds isn't good. During that time, Mikey gets to hang out with the kid next door and his sister. When her boyfriend seems to get in between Mikey and her, of course the kid finds a way to get him out of the picture, including a dead cat. This shows that Mikey inherently knows that killing is bad. He simply enjoys it. And that's the crux of the whole thing. Mikey is evil and he enjoys killing. Soon after this, the boyfriend gets killed. He creeps out the neighbor, things escalate. Then the teacher tries to get through to his parents and eventually more people die. Actually, most characters that come into contact with Mikey die. The film gets to have a nice family dinner scene that some will see coming from a mile. It was perhaps more shocking in 1992 than it would be now. There's bloodshed, lots of violence, and Mikey gets a new name and a new family because they left it open for a sequel. This film was made possibly to connect with other films being released at the time, possibly inspired in part by films like The Stepfather, which did familial horror quite well, or rather a lot better. Is Mikey a good film or a bad film? Well, it's kind of middle of the road. It has some nastiness to offer, some interesting kills done by a child, which still shocks some folks, but overall, it's not particularly scary. And while the kills are numerous and entertaining enough, it feels like the viewer can see them coming from a mile away and call how the murders will happen. There is something here to connect to another much stronger film, Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, and that Mikey loves to watch home videos he makes of his work. Something that seems rather surprising for a kid his age back in 1994, but also something no one would be surprised by in 2022. 
with everything and everyone being constantly filmed for likes and clout. Could Mikey work even better now? Perhaps an updated version with some new technology where he's a social media star going from state to state, getting famous for his kills, and escalates on and on until he gets caught? Hey studios, this idea is mine, okay? In terms of what the f happened to this film, it was a sort of perfect storm that made it disappear from the view of most people. The film was rated R in the US, something that always cuts a big part of the audience out. But in this case, it's a good thing in terms of the subject matter and to be able to keep the kills and violence on screen. The tagline, remember, Jason and Freddy were kids once too, connected the film to two of the biggest franchises, but it didn't feel earned at all. Something most people seeing the trailer, the poster, or the box art could tell pretty quickly. Sometimes connecting to bigger names can work, but most times it's a risky gamble that doesn't pay and can even hurt the sales. Here, it didn't really work. The marketing at the time was decent, but being that it was for an R-rated film, it was harder to put on television or on other releases, which would need to be rated R in most cases to carry the trailer before the film for rentals. The film clearly suffered from its timing as well, especially in England, as mentioned before. A situation like that is just unfortunate, and the murders led to the film being given a rating certificate and seeing it yanked, then seeing it being connected to the video nasties of years before. There was a bit of a fuss around it that truly didn't need to be there, and eventually it was banned until a few years ago when it found its way to streaming in the UK, including England. In the US, the film is fairly easily found on streaming as it's often on one or another of the many services out there. The film was released direct to video in most territories, where it had to fight for attention against so many other films. Its cover art was not the best and it made it look like a TV movie. The trailer didn't really help making it feel expensive or like something that would have the bite that it does. The tapes on the shelves were not the most attractive to most renters, which relegated it to more of a niche public and to those who rented just about everything they could, like yours truly. As it had not really found its audience all that easily back in 1992, there is now a new slew of people finding it and enjoying it for what it is, a nasty kid serial killer film. This is not a supernatural film. It's not a slasher as some seem to think it is. It doesn't fit the slasher subgenre, and it doesn't fit the rules of the slasher killer. So that connection needs to be put to rest and perhaps the right category of film it is Evil Kid can help it find its audience. Now, with films like Orphan and its sequel, Orphan First Kill, about an orphan killing her adoptive parents, albeit with a twist, Mikey is bound to find more of a public and new audience. The Evil Kid subgenre doesn't get that many entries per year, and so far, they have been wildly uneven at best. So, that is something else that worked against Mikey back in the day. So many of these films were released, and only so few were actually good. Nowadays, the nostalgia for the 1990s, the fact it seems to have influenced a few films since, its controversy in the UK back in the day, and the cast being still recognizable, many will forgo the look of the film and just have fun with it when they find it on streaming. Bound. 